and don't get don't get this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer, right? <laughs> oh man, you know, I I feel like you can never go wrong with Dove milk chocolate. Hello, and welcome back to Success Bag, the Success Factory. My name is Felix Becker, and I'm of course your very own success coach on this journey we call life. Now, you know, I've been sharing these amazing conversations with you over the last few weeks, and there's more to come. This week is no different. Jess Berry is a victory coach. She helps people who have been victims of sexual abuse free themselves of the shackles to get out of the cage that is holding them back from truly unleashing their genius and achieving extraordinary success. She's an incredible person. She does martial arts, she fights, and she has her own history to share with you. It was an incredible conversation. I hope you get as much out of it as I did in connecting with Jess and talking to her about her own story and how that now influences her life as a victory coach to help others who have been victims of sexual abuse. Now, if you want to reach out to Jess, her contact information is in the description below. Please do so. She's active on LinkedIn. That's where you will find her most. If you want to know about more about coaching and what I do, please reach out to me as well. I'm active on LinkedIn as well. Check out the website, send me a DM. Let me know how I can be of help. Now, how can you be of help? Well, that's easy. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review, share this message with other people. Because at the end of the day, the more people we can reach, the more people we can help. And that's really what us coaches are trying to do. We're trying to help more people unleash their genius so they too can live an extraordinary life. But with all that out of the way, let's get right into my conversation with Jess Barry. All right, here we go. Jess, really nice to meet you. Uh, thank you for doing this. Um, let's get right into it. Who are you? Ooh, the, the hardest question of them all. Um, I am, um, I am a self-love advocate. I, I am on a journey of just helping other people learn how to, um, actualize who they're capable of being. And I feel like that's found through self-love. Um, and yeah, you know, other than that, I, I enjoy the outdoors. I am a martial arts enthusiast. I, compete in martial arts. I just did a, a national Muay Thai competition. That was my first one. I had a lot of fun. Um, and I love chocolate. Um, what else about myself? <laughs> um, no, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so uh, I, I have a few, I guess, a few nuanced details that we got to tease out here. So when you say martial arts, you mentioned Muay Thai, but martial arts can mean so many things. So uh, is that the one specialty you're in or is there, are there others, karate, BJJ, judo? I mean, with, when you say martial arts, what does that mean to you? I started doing jujitsu a few years ago. Actually, I did it when I was uh, younger for just a little bit. And that's where my love for it was born, I think. But I got back into it a few years ago, um, started competing in um, Brazilian jujitsu and then started picking up striking and um was like you know i i think i want to fight so <laughs> i just have been pursuing striking a little bit more um the past few months and so i was focusing on muay thai and now that i've done that um i'm kind of focusing on wrestling and um just kind of putting them all together so i can have my first mma fight this next year hopefully wow that is that is fascinating how did you get into that well like i said i i did it when i was younger for a little bit and i think just I'm sure we'll get into this, but with everything that I had going on in my childhood, that was like, that was 
the the best feeling that I had ever had just doing jujitsu and I loved it so much and um you know in my recent years through my own healing journey with everything um I feel like uh martial arts in general has been the biggest thing I call it my avenue of healing it's been the thing that has kept me accountable to self-growth and just yeah actualizing who I really am yeah, no, that that's beautiful. Uh, I love that. Uh, I'm curious. So uh, I did judo when I was a kid. I really haven't done much in the martial arts thing uh, since. Uh, everyone I listen to, uh, podcast-wise or whatever, who does BJJ, which really seems to be the, the big thing, sort of the, the hot topic these days, it's all men. So how many women are represented in that sport? Uh, in my mind, uh, the, the the martial arts the the warrior arts, if you will, are sort of male dominant. Uh, not that it has to be, but uh, what's your perspective? Um, how do you fit in? How many women are there? I, questions I don't know anything about. Yeah, those are great questions. It really, you know, in in general, yes, there's a, a lot more men who do it. Um, from gym to gym, it's kind of different for how many women are at that gym. But I'd say when I go to a class, I'm typically one of two or three um, women there. And, you know, but I've been to some gyms where like they'll do women's only classes. Um, that can be really helpful, especially for women who've never done martial arts before, just kind of easing into that. Um, but yeah, definitely more male dominated, but I feel like there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of room to grow for women in, in the martial arts world. When I tell people that I do martial arts, the main thing that people go to is, oh, that's so good for self-defense. Like, it's always about self-defense for women. And yes, that's true. But also, like, there's so many other benefits to martial arts. Like, I don't just do it for self-defense, you know. So I, I'm i kind of an advocate for all the other benefits that come with martial arts for women. Yeah, no, uh, to to me, and again, I'm an outsider because I don't, uh, I haven't participated, but uh, the fact that it has arts right in the name, uh, I think demonstrates a little bit how I look at it. Uh, you're right, there's some self-defense, you know, advantage to it potentially, but um, there definitely is an art form to it. Uh, and from listening to people who do BJJ religiously, um, it, it, you know, there is an art form to it, that the way you approach your opponent. Um, so I, I can definitely definitely see uh, why people get intrigued by it and, and participate in it. Um, so it, coming back to you, though, as, as a woman, um, has that been a disadvantage to you? I mean, do you go into a gym and the men are like, what is she doing here? Like, what's what's been the reception? And and, and not only that, not only the first step into it, but then on, on the other side, too, is how is it fighting with men? How is there any power dynamic or, or some kind of other, you know, you know, element to it that I don't even know of, but, but what's it like as a woman in such a male dominated field? Yeah, well, there's a lot to that. Um, for the most part, whenever I go into gyms, um, everybody's welcoming. It's, you know, martial arts gyms are a space where people come to work on themselves and like support each other for the most part. And so I've been met with a lot of, um, you know, welcoming attitudes. Um, I think there's only been a handful of times where I'm like, yeah, I don't like, I don't want to roll with that person or like, I'm, I don't want to interact with them. Sometimes it can be tricky, like especially uh, BJJ where you're 
like there's such a size difference and like muscular difference and everything. Like you have to be careful who you roll with if it's, you know, if it's a, a guy, because sometimes, especially if they're newer at the sport, they're going to be more like, like, or less, less self-aware of like their body and how to like move it and everything. And so they might like be just using their strength instead of technique um, and like just smashing you and you're like, okay, like I'm not getting anything out of this and you aren't either. So you know, but it just comes with practice and, um, building that self-awareness. Yeah, no. And, and I, I think you're right. I mean, anything in life, you get better with practice, right? Practice makes better. Um, so I guess I'm curious, you said you're an advocate for it. So let's, let's go down that road for just a short while. Would you like more women to participate in the martial arts? And if so, how can we do that? Like what, what do other women need to know? Uh, who are maybe afraid or who are just thinking, oh, it's, this is just for the guys. You know, what What do other women need to know in order to step foot into that gym? I am 100% an advocate for, yeah, getting all the women into martial arts, at least just trying it. Um, there's just such a big benefit of trying something new, putting yourself in that space of being uncomfortable. I think recognizing the value in that is a, a big help in getting uh, anybody in the gym. But especially with women just laying out like, yes, there's the self-defense, like that's usually what draws women in. But like, I feel like that comes from such a fear-based uh, mentality. Like we need to learn how to defend ourselves. Like that's true. But if you approach it from like the love-based presence, which is what I'm, which is what I'm all about in my own um, coaching practice, just seeing like, okay, how, like how else can this benefit me? Well, I'm going to grow in confidence, you know, um, there's the confidence, there's just self-discipline, sh- learning how to show up for yourself, um, putting yourself first, um, you know, like just challenging yourself, finding your, or developing your feeling of, um, self-worth and just self-esteem. Like there's just so much that goes into that. So just remembering like the benefits, um, from a love-based mindset and presence, I would say. And then also if you, are nervous to try it out by yourself, like go with somebody, like just try it out with a friend. Most gyms have like a free week that you can go try out any class that you want um, or like two or three classes you can go try out. Um, And yeah, and and even if you just want to go like sit there and watch a class, like it takes baby steps for some people. Some people can just hop right in and yeah, let's do this. But some people need to sit there and watch and then they need to feel that um, self-efficacy or like belief in themselves that they that they can do that thing. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think that uh, is such a wonderful way of putting it. Um, and it comes back to that self love and that confidence and building strength in your own character. And, you know, doing it through martial arts, you're doing it not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. Uh, so really is the way you're describing it really just a, a one stop shop to build some of that self confidence. Uh, and you mentioned that self love in your own coaching practice. Um, so do you do you recommend martial arts to your clients? Do, do you incorporate that at all? Or, or do you use some, I don't know, necessarily techniques? I mean, obviously, you're not going to be grappling with your, with your clients, at least I hope not. But are there some mental strengthening techniques that you've picked up in the martial arts that you incorporate in your coaching practice? Yes. Um, I am actually recently just developing a, a program that's called Mindful Martial Arts. And so it's going to like tie all of that in. But yeah, one, one big thing that comes from the mindset with martial arts is 
our self-talk. And it's cool when you show up to a class or you're rolling with somebody, you're trying to implement a move or a technique, like being aware of what you're saying to yourself, like you'll, you'll recognize where you have the shame voice talking, where it can be replaced with the kindness voice. I like to call it. And yeah, just like where you're holding yourself back, where you're unnecessarily like doing damage, like, and how you can show up being your biggest cheerleader instead of your, you know, worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So mindful martial arts, is that, that's what MMA stands for. It actually stands for mixed martial arts, but I was like, oh, my, like I'm all about mindfulness. I'm like mindful martial arts. I think I like that. So, so that was just a recent thing, but I'm, I'm excited about doing that. Um, and I actually do do some martial arts with my clients and because for myself with the, um, like Avenue of Healing I mentioned, something that helped me heal from my own trauma was showing up to class, like putting myself in that space of vulnerability, uncomfortability, feeling fear, like all those emotions and like getting triggered and then like working through that, right? Like reflecting on it and like growing um, in so many different ways. And so me as a coach um, and be more of a guide, like for people who have experienced trauma and I need to process that, like that is a, that's just such a, a big um, help to have somebody there who understands what that's like to, to intentionally like trigger yourself and then like learn from it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. So uh, I guess speaking on the vulnerability piece, so what's your story? How did you get to be the coach that you are today? self-love that mindfulness that you know that person who you are so i am an open book i really believe in sharing what the experiences that life have has given to us um i grew up in a in an abusive environment i was molested for nine years um from my own father and so that led to a lot of you know a lot of pain and trauma and uh negative, um, you know, mindsets, behaviors and all of that. And so I actually, this is pretty, pretty common for other survivors. Like you, you go through life and you're like, Oh, I'm like, I'm fine. You just, you put up that wall, like, like, Oh, I'm fine. Like it just, it happened. But the past, I'd say five years, I got more intentional about my own healing because I recognized the ways that it was impacting my life and how I was staying a victim to the past instead of, um, you know, being that victor in my own life story. So that's my, my whole brand is igniting victory. And so we look at ways where we're keeping ourselves a victim to fear, staying stuck in the past. And um, yeah, so I, I de developed my own coaching practice as a way to continue to use the experiences that life has given to me, um, using them for me instead of against me. So in helping other people heal, I feel like it's, um, it, that's just part of my purpose because I've done the work myself and I, I still have work to do, you know, healing is a lifelong process. I don't think it's a destination. Um, it's more of a journey, but, um, yeah, being in that space, holding a space of safety and love for yourself first allows other people to do the same for them. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's, um, uh, it's such a noble piece that you're doing here. Um, uh, I can tell you, I have come across so many people uh, who have been victims of 
uh, sexual abuse from their own family members in my lifetime. Uh, and I feel like the older I get, the more I meet. And it's something that we don't really know how often it happens. And the, the more I learn how often it actually happens, it's honestly kind of scary and upsetting. Um, but you're right with, with what you're saying. Um, even my experience has been that a lot of people just say, oh, I'm fine moving on, right? But never really dealing with it. And it that either turns into you're never fully unleashing your genius, right? You're always kind of, you're in that cage. You can see through, you can see the world around you. It's like being in that shark cage. I mean, you can kind of see the world and see what's going on, but, but you're not fully participating because you are you have these restraints that have been put onto you, right? You, you don't want to put yourself, at least mentally, I think it's, it's sort of a defense mechanism where you don't want to put yourself into that situation again. So you kind of play it safe and you're never really, you know, expanding to your fullest potential as a result. Um, then there's also people who say, oh, I'm fine, or this is just how it is. And the cycle continues. And the same thing happens with the next generation and the next generation. It just, the cycle never breaks. Um, but then there's people like you who say, well, this isn't right. I know I need better for myself. Something needs to change. So the question now is, what makes you different and what can we all do better to allow people who are in that first category of people who think they're fine, but they're not really fully living life to the fullest because of that, that cage, that those barriers that they put up for themselves. What can we do to help those people to break free of those barriers? Mm. I love that question. And that analogy, I actually use that analogy uh, myself, being in that cage. Um, I feel like with sexual abuse, especially with children, it's like, you know, maybe somebody else put you in that cage, but you need to open your eyes to the fact that you are keeping yourself there. And so there's different ways to, you know, open your eyes and recognize where you're at. Um, just taking a, a good look at like where you're at, like doing a self audit, you know, where, where do I feel like I'm holding myself back? Like, what are my coping patterns that might have kept me safe in the past, but now they're just creating that illusion of safety and it, and it's actually holding me back. Right. Um, so I like to just say being intentional and accountable and, um, just working to powerfully live in the present, like with, from love instead of fear, like that is such a big piece in the healing process. So, you know, one question that's pretty easy whenever you feel like doing something, if you don't know, like how trauma is affecting you, um, or where you're staying stuck in fear is just, okay. Like, I feel like doing something is it out of love or fear. And we all, we all know what each of those feels like, you know, it's like part of your intuition, right. You, you know, and so just as scary as it is, um, whatever decision or thought is based in love, like that's, that's the correct choice. And so sometimes we don't have the ability or knowledge of how to pursue that love-based action or whatever it may be. So that's where having a coach or just your leaning on your support system um, can be super beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, you know, what I was just thinking when you said that, that love versus fear, uh, you know, I think there's, there's two separate um, thought processes that are going on there. I mean, on the one hand, you're probably afraid to trust other people, right?
right? Uh, but you also, that, that's, that's part of recognizing that not everybody is a bad person, that there are some people out there who want the best for you, who you could actually be able to trust at some point. Um, but then also is, is the self-love component that you mentioned earlier, right? Just because something happened to you doesn't mean that you cannot provide that love to someone else. Right. So it's not it's it's the giving and the receiving uh, that really needs to be dealt with. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of stuff. So how do you even start to unpack that with any of your clients? Where do you even begin? Yeah, just doing that, that audit of where you're at, um, you know, just asking different questions. And it's like defining point A and point B. Where are you at? Where do you want to go? And then how can we help get you there? Right. Um, I like how you mentioned the the trusting thing with other people, because uh, obviously with having been, um, victimized in the past and, or betrayed or things like that, like our sense of trust is very damaged. And, um, the thing though, is helping people identify where they're outsourcing their healing. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, are you looking to other people for validation? Are you, um, you know, trying to heal through, excessive exercise or are you losing yourself in food or all these different things. Um, but it's all about creating an actual like safety within yourself, learning how to trust yourself before you trust anybody else, you know, cause that, that will inevitably lead you to healthier, more um, stable relationships. You know, the, the other thought I had, uh, as you were just talking, uh, I was thinking, you know, that you probably with some people are walking a fine line between coaching and therapy. But I think if for the people who have come to accept that the past is done, uh, there's nothing you could change about it. And it's a matter of just moving forward. That's really where coaching shines. I mean, that's where therapy cannot help someone. Uh, but you will have some people who need to accept the past first. And, and that's where therapy comes in as a, as a first step. Uh, but yeah, I think this is this is something where, especially for the people that have accepted their past is what it is, and it, you can't change it, and you just you want to move on, you want to create something better for yourself. That's really where coaching can be so incredibly powerful. So uh, that, that's like I said, that's it's amazing the space you're in, uh, in and the stuff you're doing because that's there's really the older I get, the more people I meet who have been in those situations, and it's uh, it's mind blowing. Uh, just something that I was never aware of myself. So I, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's different. Everybody's going to have some kind of diff probably different length of time that they want they want to or need to work with you. But sort of an average, like how long how long do you think it generally takes for some of your clients to move on from point A to maybe not get to B, but be well on the way to get to B, you know, and, and say, you know what, I got this at this point. I'm a different person. I see what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned, everyone's different. It kind of depends on, uh, what they're working on, what their big dream is. But I've had, you know, like sometimes just one conversation is all it takes for somebody's perspective to shift for them to recognize what, what the next um, action is that they need to do. Um, so, you know, I, I had like one conversation with, with somebody and uh, she was, she had this fear of men of like working with men or even like talking to men. And like after a conversation, the, um, Later that month, she ended up like getting a client that was a man. And she's like, oh, like, I can't, I can't believe I'm working with a man. And like, 
the thing was um, she had never shared her story of what had happened with anybody. And, you know, so just having a safe space, somebody who understands, like, who gets it um, and can receive your story with um, safety and, and empathy, like, it creates that freedom inside and that person can recognize, you know, what fear is pulling them back and how they are capable of going after their dreams. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just one conversation, but um, I do have like a 12 week program where we each week, you know, the modules kind of build off of each other in a healing manner. So the first, the first one would be creating safety, right? Just looking at where the false safety is coming in and what actual safety looks like. Yeah. Um, coming back to another early question, I mean, where I was asking you about what's it like to be a woman in a, in a martial arts field. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking, uh, I, I can right off the top of my head, I can think of six people that I've crossed paths with um, who have been victims of sexual abuse as children from family members. Five of them were women uh, who were abused by either their fathers or uncles, stepbrothers. Uh, but one was a guy uh, who, and I don't specifically remember the details because that was kind of before I started being aware and started paying more attention. I want to say it was the stepmother. Um, what, what is the gender breakdown? Do you work with many men at all? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Again, this is a field that I really don't know anything about. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. The ratio is, at least for, um, you know, what's reported is the women are more, they, they experience more of the um, sexual abuse. Um, you know, I believe you'll find different stats, different places, but um, on average, I think it's like one in um, four or like one in six. And then with the guys, it's like one in eight or one in 10. So um, yeah, it definitely does happen to guys as well. I, I have worked with some male clients and yeah, there there's a whole... <laughs> whole lot that you know goes into that and maybe why there there could be a difference in men reporting what happens to them there's a lot of you know different social stigmas and things like that and um yeah so it, it's hard because the reporting has definitely um you know I don't, I don't know if I want to say like increased, but like, you know, a few years ago, the, the numbers weren't as high, but um, yeah, it, it definitely happens no matter if, if it's getting reported or not. Yeah, no, and, and that's, that's very true. I mean, I think there's definitely an underreporting that's happening. I think the numbers we have are our best guess and they're nowhere near what reality is. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and I, I could even think um, I've had, uh, when I was still doing trauma, uh, surgery as my main gig, I can think of two, these were adult women uh, with adult husbands that've been married for a very long time uh, where there was abuse happening. And uh, the, but in both instances, it was the woman that was the victim in, in the hospital uh, being treated for some of them very severe injuries. And the, the question was raised, the police even came and was like, hey, do you want to uh, file charges? And both of them said, nah, that's just how it's always been. That's how he is. Nothing's going to change. And, it, it, you know, it just in this context of our conversation now, it makes me realize that there's probably a substantial number of people who grow up like that 
uh, being abused by their family members. And it's just, well, that's just how it is. There's nothing for me to report. Uh, that's just how life is. Um, didn't you get abused as a child? Like, aren't you the weird one for not being abused, right? Um, which uh, which is kind of scary. I mean, it really is scary to think, especially if, if what you're saying, your numbers are that, you know, uh, let's say about 20, 25% of women, right? One in four, one in five uh, are, are victims. That's a huge number of people. Even one in eight men, that's a huge number of people who are out there with you know, uh, you know, not just the physical abuse, but the mental and emotional scars that come from that. Uh, that's huge. That's, that's tremendous. So um, it, coming back to some of my early course, then how can we make the world more aware of it? Uh, and maybe even not uh, bring it out so that everyone knows that it's happening, but that the victims know that life doesn't have to be this way and that there are opportunities for them to be able to move on with their lives and, and become better people and, and expand their possibilities. What, what can we do about that? The first thing that comes to mind is working to exemplify what it what a healthy and happy life looks like. That's something that really helped me growing up when I was younger. I was like eight or nine, you know, I'd be going to friends' houses. I'm like, huh, like I was like, this doesn't match with what I'm experiencing. Then it like started getting me like question like, okay, well, I think something's wrong. <laughs> and um, yeah, so just you know, even when people are adults, like seeing that there's other ways of living and like recognizing where their life or thought patterns or behaviors isn't lining up with what they see outside of the cage. Right. Going back to that analogy. Um, so yeah, that can be really helpful. Uh, you know, and this is obviously a, I think an example uh, of a life circumstance that everybody can relate to. Uh, you had some kind of physical abuse, you have mental and emotional scars, and now life is really difficult. Uh, I mean, that's something I think a lot of people can see and can understand and can relate to, but there's also so much other uh, other trauma or other experiences. I don't necessarily want to use the trauma, but other life experiences that are, that are maybe not necessarily traumatic that shape how your life is in a way that still holds you back, right? Um, and there's people out there who, you know, were, were lucky enough not to be victims of sexual abuse, but, you know, maybe their dog died when they were 12 years old. And that has now left them with emotional and mental scars that still prevent them from maximizing uh, their opportunities in life. Uh, so this, this, this example is just one of many where people are really having to realize that they're the ones ultimately holding themselves back. And they're the ones that can dismantle that cage and free themselves and, and really unleash their genius to a much greater extent than what they're currently doing. So, um, I, I, you know, this is obviously a, a much more sensitive topic and, and, and one that a lot of people are frankly not willing to address. Um, but it's so important and because the, the mental and emotional scars that people come away with from this are so profound. Um, so again, I think whatever you're doing there in that space is an incredibly noble pursuit and that's amazing. And I think people need to know that people like you exist, that people like you are out there who can help them break free of that cage and move on with their lives. Um, so thank you for doing that, uh, because we need, we need more people like you to do that. Um, on a, on a side note, uh, just to change the topic here for a second, um, what's with the hat? It's in all your pictures. You're wearing it right now. I, I want to know what, what the hat is all about. Yeah, you know, I um, actually haven't worn it for a while, but um, honestly, bad hair day today, so that's why I'm wearing it today. <laughs> but oh, me um, too, me too. Look at it. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's just part of I don't know, just part of um, 
my image, I guess. Like when I, I don't know, just, uh, it was on, like, I did a photo shoot and um, I just happened to be wearing the hat, to be honest. But um, I think it, it kind of can help create that, like, recognizable, like, oh, like, that's Jess, you know, she's got her hat. Yeah. <laughs> so No, that, that is so true. That is so true. I mean, especially if you wear that hat in all your pictures, um, it's definitely something that stands out and is recognizable. So for, you know, an online presence for people to recognize you, it really works really well. So how long have you had this hat? Where'd you get it? What's the story? I actually got it at a farmer's market when I was out, um, in California. Um, yeah, I was doing a, just a language training out there and I went to a farmer's market and, um, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I, I love that. So, uh, it says again, one of those things that definitely stood out for me. So we had, we had to touch that subject as well. Uh, now, uh, on, on sort of a similar note, uh, you had mentioned chocolate earlier. I'm very much a chocolate connoisseur myself. So tell me what's the best chocolate in the world? And don't get, don't get this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer, right? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I feel like you can never go wrong with Dove milk chocolate. Like, I can get the bag, the little blue squares, and like, and they have the little, like, notes in there that you can yes. read. It's, it's fun. I like to eat this. <laughs> No, I agree. So I actually, uh, sometime earlier this year, I, uh, I I saved a bunch of those stuffed chocolates with their notes inside and uh, a bunch of Chinese fortune cookies that I had from going to a variety of Chinese restaurants. And my question out to the world at the time was, where do you get your fortunes from? From the chocolate or from the Chinese fortune cookie? <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, the Dove chocolates, I agree. I, I mean, on the, on the uh, you know, American chocolates in general, I think Dove and the Mars products are, are definitely some of the better ones. Giardelli's out there. That's awesome. Um, otherwise I'm, I'm a big fan more of the Swiss chocolates, but, um, the one, the one thing that I, I, in, you know, this may be heresy to many Americans, but Hershey's chocolate don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> and, it looks a little waxy to me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I even say, look, my girlfriend is from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, oh. and so she will hate me for saying this, but don't, don't do Hershey. Uh, that's, that's, stay away from Hershey and you'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be happier if you don't eat that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and I absolutely agree with you on the Dove side of things. Um, I actually have, uh, I saved up a, a few pieces uh, from my most, most recent Dove purchase uh, that I wanted to turn into some social media posts. So I absolutely agree with you. I think those messages inside are apps, they're, they're fantastic. I love that too. Um, let me, I, I want to um, ask you some questions uh, from my uh, simple networking toolbook that I put together just to paint a little bit more color on you and, and find out who did, you know, Jess really is. Um, so uh, it's a, it's the holiday season. So what is your favorite holiday and why? I'd say Christmas um, because there's a feeling to it that kind of is unique. Like it, it, it just comes around like every year you, you've, you know, that feeling of Christmas. And I, I just really like that feeling. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Now, do you have any kids? Okay. Um, I, I, I will tell you, uh, Christmas has taken on a very different meaning for me ever since having kids. Um, Christmas always was special. You have that feeling that you're describing. Uh, but, but having kids now and seeing it through the kids eyes has made it like infinitely more special. So, uh, that's what, that's what my kids and I are doing right now is, uh, actually putting together a whole bunch of Christmas things. And it's, it just carries a different meaning in that, but that Christmas meaning that the feeling you're describing it's so true, there's something to it. So that's, that's wonderful. That's awesome. I love that. Um, what is a place you haven't been yet, but really want to visit? 
I really want to go to Iceland. I want to, I would love to like camp out of a van and just like travel around the island and see all the different uh, nature. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, I had a couple friends go to Iceland the last year or two and the pictures that they uh, shared are just gorgeous. Amazing. And uh, I agree with you. I, I actually, the one thing that uh, I would, I'm curious about are those mud baths that they do there, like those hot spring mud baths. Uh, so uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Iceland is one of those. It's definitely on my bucket list as well. Um, so speaking of Iceland, would you rather take a cold shower on a hot day or a hot bath on a cold day? Oh, that's so hard. Cause I, I, I've gotten into like the cold plunges and everything this year and like experienced the benefits of that. And I love that, but, um, I definitely love being warm. Uh, so it depends. Am I trying to like help my body, like feel, feel, um, like get the benefits of the cold, cold plunge or whatever, or I guess there's benefits of the hot too. Um, with the, all the training that I do, I like taking like warm Epsom salt baths. Those are really nice. So, Oh gosh, I think I would just, I would rather take the warm one, but I will take the cold one. Yeah. All right. All right. That's fair. Depends on the circumstances. I get that. I totally get that. Um, all right. Final question out of the book. Uh, would you rather get to your destination quickly and spend more time there or take your time and enjoy the journey instead? Ooh, take the, uh, enjoy the journey instead. That's a, that's a big thing with martial arts. It's like, especially when you're working for a competition, it's like, the joy is in the journey. If you're not enjoying the journey, like when the competition comes, like it's not going to really mean anything to you, you know? And it's like, the competition is fun. The end destination is fun, but it's like, once that's over, it's like the joy is jumping back into the journey of the next one. You know, what's next? I love that. Yeah. No. And if you think about it, that's life as a whole, right? It's always about the journey. We always make it about the destination, but really it's the journey. And if you can enjoy the journey, uh, you're going to get a much more meaning, much more, much better experiences out of life as, as a whole. The juice is in the journey. So yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, uh, final question for me, really, uh, and it's, it doesn't even come from me. I started doing this a few podcasts ago uh, where the previous guest gets to ask you a question and then you get to pay it forward to the next guest. Um, so the last guest doesn't know who you are. They didn't know when we were going to record. So this question is a question that uh, Arndt Haddenbrock uh, posted. Um, how do you want to show up in your life and how are you going to do that? Ooh, I love that question. I... I am going to show up as Jessica, as my my true self, and um, you know that might sound a little silly because I I go by Jess usually, but um, actually this last week I was training with my coach and he uh, was pushing me pretty hard, and I like you know started crying, and but I was like no, like I can do it, like let's let's do some more rounds and whatever. And he just like looked at me. He's like, he's like, I want, I want Jessica to be fighting right now. Like, not Jess. Like Jess is like sparring, but Jessica is the fighter. I want Jessica. And so that just like really resonated. And so I feel like just showing up with that certainty of of who I am and what I'm capable of. Like that's that's how I want to show up. And what I do to make that happen is continually putting myself first, trusting my intuition, um, going after my dreams, 
looking up, looking out, you know, uh, I'm a religious or faithful, faith-filled person, I would say. So my um, relationship with God is really important. So remembering that and just using the experiences that God has given to me to help other people. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I can, I can uh, certainly support the idea that you need to be true to yourself. Uh, I think we all should live our lives that way. I mean, I can think of so many instances where people um, sort of have different persona uh, based on the circumstances and they show up as a different person. And I almost feel like the more times you find yourself in different situations and show up as a different person, your life becomes so convoluted because you don't even know who you are anymore, or who you need to be in a given circumstance. It's just, it's, it's almost easier to be just one person true to yourself and show up as that person in every situation that, that comes about. Um, and, and, you know, I think we all can do that. Life becomes much easier because you don't have to focus so much on who you are and you can really just enjoy the beauties that are out there uh, and get all these experiences that you need to have. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of depth there and I could definitely see where you're coming from with that. So that that's beautiful. Um, all right, focus on you, Jess. So what's the question you want to ask the next guest on the podcast? And again, I honestly don't know who that is. I don't know when we're recording, uh, but you get to ask this question to the next guest on this podcast. Yeah, that's such a fun idea. I love that. Um, my question is going to be, how do you know when you truly love yourself? That's profound. I love that. How do you know when you truly love yourself? Awesome. Well, um, I will be sure to ask that question to the next guest. Um, and we'll, we'll pat, you know, we'll keep doing the tradition and keep paying it forward with questions. That's so awesome. Um, if people want to reach out to you, where can they connect with you? Yeah. So, um, my coaching platform is um, on LinkedIn. You can just find me Jess Berry, Victory Coach. Um, yeah, so and I also have my website ignitingvictory.com. You can find me there too. That's awesome. Uh, I'll make sure that all the links are in the description below. So if anybody wants to reach out specifically to you, uh, they'll be easily to do that with from the links. Um, thank you for doing this. Any last words you have to the world? Anything else you want to share? I would just say Take a few minutes today to check in with yourself and uh, work to feel your inner child. See, see where your inner child's at and what they want to tell you today. That is so awesome. Uh, I, I will tell you, I've definitely found that as adults, we lose that inner child. We lose that openness and curiosity uh, and just living life, right? Uh, I mean that freedom of just enjoying every moment. We really lose that as adults and it's such a shame. So that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Find your inner child. That is, I'm, I'm actually going to do that right after this. To be honest. <laughs> I need to do that too. So I'll do that too. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Jess, thank you. This is what amazing. I, I truly love what you're doing. Uh, you're an amazing person. Uh, it's, it's a noble task uh, and, and you can help so many people truly unleash their genius, break free of that cage and find a better life for themselves. Uh, that is truly beautiful. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. Um, I'll be sure to catch you in the future because uh, I think we may have opportunities for some other stuff that we can work on together. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Felix.